Hi, this is Big Girl Pants Podcast, episode 15. Hi! Welcome to Big Girl Pants Podcast, where we're here to talk about women, health, power, and wealth. Hosted by April Melton and Kimberly Shapiro. We are real women with real jobs doing real life. We as women know what it feels like to try to be super mom, super fit, wrinkle-free, all the while climbing the corporate ladder. Sound Sound familiar? Then this show is for you. So stay tuned. Okay. Hi. We're back. We are. Episode 15. So exciting. And we have a guest with us today. We have Miss Marion DeUnger with the DeUnger team at Caldwell Banker Apex, right? That's correct. Yeah. We're so happy you're here. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on a Saturday and showing up so fabulous. I know. <laughs> thank you. I, you're I'm, very welcome. I'm very appreciative of being invited. Oh, thank you. You are amazing young women. Thank Thank you you for saying that. Well, we think the same thing of you. So just so everybody out there knows, April and I look homeless on Saturdays, most Saturdays anyway. This is why we're not on YouTube yet, because we can't commit to getting ready for this podcast after we get ready Monday through Friday. So this is a a legitimate thing. So (laughs) Marion shows up in her fabulous black outfit, high heels, decked out, makeup done, hair done, Looks amazing. She's dressed to the nines. She is. Um, so you look amazing. Thank you. You I always did. look amazing, though. Every time I see you, I did put my false eyelashes on this morning. Oh did my you? goodness! Oh, next man. level. I know, right? I I can't even. I, I barely have any makeup on at all, just because I couldn't get it together. <laughs> I have eyebrows and eyelashes. That's about it. Well, I mean, mascara. But in real estate, you have to be prepared to show houses. <clears> that is true. Notice. That's what you were saying. It's like you know, I don't know if somebody's going to call me while I'm here to like. Show up, you know, at one o'clock to show a house. So Especially you got it on maybe... a Saturday too. Isn't oh, that's that true. Like a... Saturdays and Sundays are busy days. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you have to be prepared to go. Yeah, it's notice. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to give you kind of the floor to just share a little bit about yourself. We do have, you know, I've got some typical questions that I ask. You know, like tell me a little bit about you, and um, you know, how did you get to where you are, and all those like you know normal questions. But I want you just to give a brief introduction um, of of yourself, if you don't mind. Well, I have done a little bit of everything in my life. I was a petroleum landman at one point. Oh, I did that too. That's awesome. Yeah, we should talk about that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I did public speaking for the oil and gas industry. Oh, wow. What a good guy the oil and gas people were. I spoke to schools and rotary clubs and groups all over Texas. I did that for a couple of years. And then I worked for a company we took public. And then... I decided I wanted to have my own boutique, so I opened a little boutique in Corpus Christi, Texas called The Ant and the Grasshopper. Oh, cute. And after a couple of seasons, I was having difficulty finding the exact type of clothes I wanted for our warm climate. So I bought a couple hundred yards of gauze and designed a <laughs> of few course. pieces. And, <laughs> Why wouldn't you? And had some things made, put my label on them, and they just flew out the door. And I thought, hmm, this is a lot easier than standing on your, your feet 12 hours a day, you know, six days a week, and then cleaning up the store on Sundays. And I'll just design and manufacture women's clothing. So oh my, I did not know wow. about this. I did not know you did that. Yes. And That's so phenomenal. I ended up... The woman of many lives. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine had a shop at that point, and she said, let's just do a little, you know, fashion show. I'll advertise it in the paper. So I had another friend that was a good seamstress, and I designed four tops and four bottoms and did a couple little belts and did them in four colors that blended. I did cream and red and khaki and black so that they would all mix. Yeah, versatile. Very versatile so that you could mix and match. And so we did the 
did a little trunk showing for our Friday and Saturday. And at the end of Saturday, we sat down and we went, oh my God. I have orders for 250 items. You're like, oh my gosh, what, this is I fine, no but what do I do? <laughs> I had no one to make them. Oh, wow. So I interviewed seamstresses. I ran ads and, you know, soon learned that don't advertise for seamstresses because you get people that can't really sew. So I advertised for pattern cutters, and that worked. And ultimately, within a year, I was selling to 125 stores. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. So that turned out great. But what, then, was your name, what was your label called? Gabrielle D'Ester. It was uh, That's fancy. a I'm woman that, that lived in the, um, you know, 16, she died in 1670. She was the morgamatic wife of King Henry IV, or King James IV, I'm sorry, of France. And very interesting. In fact, there's a picture of a painting of her in the Louvre that we went to see when we were in Paris. Wow. And uh, did a Definitely little... Googling that after this. Yeah. <laughs> I did a little description on, on each of my clothes. I had it printed up about her life and who she was. So she was very fascinating. She, when I saw the photogra- the painting of her, I did not know there was one that existed. Yeah. And she had long red hair. And at that point, I had red hair. So I thought, we kind of looked a little bit alike. Yeah. And so it was very apropos that I had used her. Then my husband became quite ill and had two brain surgeries. Mm. We were flying around in Learjets one day and flat broke. The next one procedure on his head was $250,000. Oh my gosh. And we did not have insurance. Oh, that was my question. I was uh, talking to my husband last night about you and just sharing your story and how fabulous it was. And I, I mentioned that and he's like, but wasn't there insurance? And I, I'm like, no, I don't know. Because we were, we had opened our own oil and gas company <clears throat> okay. at that time. So we had, we were independent and we didn't have company insurance or insurance to fall back on. And we were, you know, we were stupid. We were 45 years old and we thought we had plenty of time left and we owned the world and we weren't going to be sick. Bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were bulletproof. Right. So um, it took three years for him to relearn to talk and relearn to read. And at the end of that period, he said, I want to go back to law school. He started law school as a young man on the GI Bill, ran out of money. And started in the oil and gas industry. Made and, a lot of money. And how old was he when he went back to law school? He was 49 years old. I we love both, stories like this. Me too. We were love, both love, love. 49 years old. Came to Dallas, Texas. Had enough money to last for four months. I had a seven-year-old child. I'd had my second child at 42. Had a seven-year-old husband that was probably 95% recovered mm-hmm. from this brain surgery. And a mother with Alzheimer's, and I was the sole support of everybody. Wow. I had no college degree. I had two years of college was all, and I couldn't bring my seamstresses and my machines and everything to Dallas, so I decided I had to sell something I didn't have to buy first. Mm-hmm. So it had to be cars or airplanes or diamonds or, real, you know, something big. Something. And yeah. big ticket items. Right. Yeah. So I'd had a real estate license for years that I never used. It was just, you know, buried down the archives of one old purse. Sounds familiar. I love that analogy because it's so true. Yeah. So you like I, find your old purses in the closet yeah. and you're like, oh my oh, gosh, what is in here? Like, what is this? Oh, here's a real oh, here's estate license. Here's my social security license. card. No big yeah. deal. Here's a real estate license. I, you know, I'll try that. Well, I had to retake the test and all, which was no big deal, but I went to Ebby Halliday and, um, talked to them and Miss Eppy was an amazing lady. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's she was just something. And so I I told the the person interviewing me, I'm not sure that I'm going to go with Ebby Holiday. I'd never heard of them before I came to, to Dallas. And and uh she said, Come with me. So she took me into Miss Ebby's office and Ebby said, 
well, of course you're coming with us. We have no one else in the company with your hair color. She was amazing. So, of course, I'm, I didn't Of course you are. We need a redhead. Okay, yeah. come on. So, I stayed with them for about seven years and then went more out on my own. Today, I'm with Caldwell Banker Apex, which also has the most amazing woman you've ever known. Oh, Lori Lord is. Arnold. She is she And is she's something. just genuine. She's a real human being. Oh, when we went over and talked to her, I didn't want to go. Nancy, who works with me, was dragging me over there and said, we have to go talk to her. Lisa. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I'm fine where I am. I don't want to do new cards, new signs, and go through all that. I don't want to start over again. Oh, come on. We have to go. I was in there for 15 minutes. Nancy was holding me back. I wanted to jump over the desk and say, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> where do I sign? I'm here. Yes. So we're real happy with where we are today. Caldwell Banker Apex is a great company. So, you know, at age 49, I literally started my life over again. And I sat on the floor in this zero lot line I had leased with my money the last four months and looked at the Dallas Morning News and the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and looked at, you know, jobs. And I realized... I had to go out on my own and make commission that an eight to five job was not going to support my family. Right. So I started with this small office and I was amazed the first two weeks I was there, all these realtors were sitting in the kitchen and they were eating donuts and drinking coffee. And after a couple of weeks and I was trying to get my feet on the ground about real estate in Dallas, Texas. And I went in and I said, what are y'all doing in here? <laughs> Do you think the clients are going to fall out of the ceiling? Right. You've got to get out there and do something. So I realized that I couldn't, you know, make a, a big impact on the established areas, Preston Hollow, Park Cities, you know, Highland Park, that I was new. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anyone in Dallas. I knew two people. Yeah. So I had no frame of reference or people to No network. What's never network relationships. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I figured out that I had to go out to new areas, new home construction. So I went out and started visiting new home sites. And then I realized, you know, in the real estate business, most people don't know their product. Mm -hmm. So I got a level and a tape measure. And I started going on construction sites. And I noticed the studs and and construction were different widths apart. And so I, I went to the cities and looked up the codes and you're supposed to have them on 16 or 18 inch centers. And I caught a couple of builders putting them on 24, you know, inch centers, which means that the drywall is going to shift and it's going to crack. So, and you didn't even know anything about no, anything. No, I never did any construction. Research, I just started and watching it and figuring it out. <clears throat> I love and that. I started realizing the difference in the quality of the builders. We have such a big relocation market here. We mm-hmm. have a lot of shoddy builders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I researched, too, something else I didn't know. There are no licensing requirements in the state of Texas for builders. Right. So anybody that can borrow a little bit of money can build your home and do a sloppy job of is it. Is that still the way it oh, is yes. today? That's there crazy. are no licensing requirements for I builders. bet most people don't know that. They don't know that, and they don't know what's under the floors and behind the walls. It's just amazing to they me. They just know that it looks pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have a lot of builders that I won't mention the names today, but my husband, who's now an attorney, just almost has a heart attack. I did a talk radio show for a year. Okay. And people would call in and say, who's the worst builder? And I'd say, it is. And then I'd pause, and I'd say, my husband just fell on the floor and grabbed his chest because he thought I was going to say that over the air. <laughs> so call me later, I'll tell you. So, you know, he was um, he was pretty panicked about that. But I started out with um, one of my builder friends that I became friendly with, and I got 20 or 30 realtors together, and he did a little class for us. 
you know, started taking notes and asking questions. And, and ultimately, I was approved by Texas Real Estate Commission to give continuing education credit. And I would speak to 100 realtors at a time. Wow. And we would, we would go out, and one of the builders worked with me on it. We'd put a platform and put a tent. And we would have uh, 100 realtors at a time we'd allow. And we'd walk through the slab stage and the plumbing stage and then the framing stage and talk about what this was, you know, the difference between a floor joist and a ceiling joist and, yeah. what, and what kind of energy efficiency. And I'm really into energy efficiency. Yeah. Now. And what year were, was this that you were kind of doing I this? I started with Ebby Halliday in 92. Okay. 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 And the first full year I was with them, I came in number two out of 980. That's incredible. Because because um, you weren't in the kitchen, you well, and because it. you knew your product, like well, I learned it. I didn't know it when I started, right. so it's you know it's not rocket science. Right. You can figure it out, but yeah. you do need to pay attention. Absolutely. And I told other realtors, and I tell the realtors on my team that if you're selling cars, you know what's under the hood. Mm-hmm. Don't try to sell a house without being an asset to your client. It's so funny that you say that too about the cars thing because I read this article the other day where they were talking about how new car salesmen and basically millennials as a whole, salespeople, like how they really don't care about what they're selling or their product and how that's really affecting like the marketplace, period, regardless of what industry and they're like, how do we get these people, these salespeople to care about what they're selling? And it's just like, it's so interesting that you would... Well, I think that goes back to the consumer's not caring because if the consumer cares, then by default, the salesperson has to care because there's going to be questions that they're going to have to answer. And so I think it's just a, a, like a lazy consumerism like across the board. People just like the pretty. They like the way it looks. They like the way... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it's it used to be I think people really did care. You know, a man would open the the hood and kind of get underneath that and see what was going on and I don't know that people do that anymore. Now it's like, "Oh, it looks really pretty. It smells new." Well, especially with super home shiny. Buying, for sure. It's so distracting to walk into a house and see granite countertops and yeah. floors and beautiful paint or, you know, beautiful backsplash in the kitchen or beautiful bathrooms or even a butcher's pantry or whatever, or but, butcher's, butler's, butler's <laughs> pantry and see that and just be like, oh my gosh, this is what I want. Yeah. Well, but the public doesn't realize that a lot of the model homes are built by specifications that are not used in building the product that you're going to get. Yeah. So they I walk didn't into know the, that. They walk into the model home and they go, wow, look at these high ceilings. This is great. We are going to get the high ceilings. But you may get three-inch baseboards instead of 12-inch baseboards. Mm. And you may not get the best quality of, of product. And one of our big builders, we, you know, I had a client that wanted a particular neighborhood and we had to use a builder that's not my favorite. And so we said, we want the house built exactly like the model. Every detail, everything. We want the island expanded. We want, you know, we want everything like the model. So we get the plans in and I'm looking over the plans and I go, that island's not three feet larger. Oh, you want it like that? That's $1,800 more. I said, oh, yes, we want it just like the model. Well, and then I'm looking, they're not multiple return air vents, which... Time out. You have to have multiple return air vents in the house. It not only causes air circulation, it makes your house perform better, takes the moisture out of the air. This was a 6,700-square-foot house, <laughs> wow. and it had two return air vents in it. And I went, hey, guys. You're like, that's this extremely is, inefficient. This, this is, is not, this is not acceptable. Yeah. Well, you want return air vents where? And I said, in every room that's possible. 
And they said, well, that's $1,800 more. I said, hey, guys, and look, there's no cabinet around the refrigerator here. And this is an expensive home. It was almost a million dollars. And they said, oh, you want the cabinet around the refrigerator? That's $1,800 more. Everything we wanted was $1,800 more. So what you see is not always what you get. Yeah. And And I think this is like a prime example. And you've heard this for years. People who are buying a or are interested in a new home, they don't think they need a realtor. They don't think they need representation or someone to help them walk through the process. This is exactly why you do need somebody because as a a typical consumer wouldn't walk in and know these things, right? Yeah, they'll show up at the model home. They'll talk to the representative of the builder and then move forward from there. Well, I tell my clients... Who do you think that on-site person works for? Mm-hmm. They don't work for you. Yeah, they duh. work for the builder. <laughs> and if you know what you don't know, you better be afraid to go without me. Mm-hmm. Because you will not get what you think. You know, say the builder tells you you're going to get a wood fence. What are you going to get? Is it six foot? Is it eight foot? Is it board on board? Is it pine? Is it cedar? Is it stained? Is it unstained? Does it have metal posts? Does it have wood posts? Does it have trim on the top? <sighs> they have no idea. No. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what you're getting. And I tell people, the first clue you have when you pull up to the front of the house, now if you're buying a little tiny, you know, first starter home, you're not going to get as many things in it, obviously. But an eight-foot door on the front, that's your first sign that the builders put a little more quality. It Mm -hmm. probably cost him $100 extra to do an eight-foot door instead of a six-foot-eight door. Right. Did he cover the porch with leftover brick or pavers or something? Because that old concrete shows cracks and and discoloration very quickly. Right. So if you don't have something covering that front porch, that's the longest anybody stands in one spot in your house. So it's real important. So the first things, clues that you have of whether they cut corners behind the walls and under the floors is what kind of front door, what kind of cover you have on the front porch, and how many return air vents you have in the house. I don't even know what a return air How do you know? Like, is there one in here or, or no? You have a supplier event there. Okay. No, you do not have a return event. Are the returns on the wall? Sometimes they're lower. Sometimes okay. they're higher. Okay. But it's, and you'll have a supply event in every room, but okay. you should have a return event, and that causes the air circulation. Hmm. Quite often, if you see doors that are closed into a bedroom, you'll see a little black line across the carpet there. That's where the dirt and particles are trying to get out for a return air vents out in the hall mm. and you'll see that little black and when i first moved to dallas and started selling real estate i thought those people in dallas have the worst vacuum cleaners in the world they have black <laughs> you're like where's the kirby when you need yeah, it what's going exactly. on exactly so it was because they're not adequately ventilated and now with energy efficiency it's so important to have radiant barrier decking and when i give talks to realtors i show them a picture of a home that's 20 years old don't tell them usually that it's mine. And the only reason I still live in that money pit is because I have an acre and a half on the creek with trees. But the, and I have a good builder, but at 20 years ago, the energy efficiency was yeah, nothing, nowhere was near nil. what it is now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing like it is today. Nothing like it right. is. And even in the last three years, it's incredible the difference. So I did a study for a few months on a, a home that's very similar to mine by the same builder, facing the same direction, about the same number of windows. It was 4,800 square feet. Mine is 4,200 square feet. Their electricity bill, the highest electricity bill was 370 in July. Mine is 1,350 Oh, my July. gosh, Marianne. Oh, my gosh. That makes Almost my heart hurt. Almost $1,000 a month difference. <clears throat> the public doesn't realize. You know, so I tell them, 
the realtors, what do you tell your clients when they're looking at this home versus this home? I show them a new home and I show them the pre-owned. It's not that I'm against pre-owned homes. It's just be prepared that the energy efficiency is going to be a, a big issue if you don't replace upgrade some things and, that upgrade. Mm-hmm. You need to upgrade some things. The most significant items on energy efficiency are vinyl windows, radiant barrier decking, and at least a 16-seer air conditioning. Now, another thing is when I give these talks and air conditioning people come out, realtors will <clears throat> invariably ask, what's the difference between a 16-seer and a 19-seer uh, in the air conditioning person? Mm-hmm. And then I have a speak goes, oh, it's definitely better. Yes, it's better, but there's a point there where right. it's not cost-effective. Right. Because the difference between a 16-seer and a 19- or 20-seer AC or HVAC system it's probably going to be a 10-year payout before you see the difference. It's oh, not, wow. That's not worth it. No. Yeah. So 16 is, is optimum for today's market. <clears throat> but vinyl windows are a big deal, and so is radiant barrier decking. So Talk to me about vinyl windows. What do you mean when you say that? For those who, who are listening, well, and for me, because well, I don't know. Well, uh, it's the, the little metal um, bars that you see there. Yeah. Those are vinyl. When you walk up to a window in the summertime here and you touch that metal, it's hot because it's conducting heat. Yeah. Oh, okay. The vinyl ones don't. So there's no heat reflection coming in. Low E glass also keeps the rays out and right. it even keeps furniture from fading. Right. Because I bought from one of the model homes, I bought a $5,000 sofa that they let me have for $300 because it was faded. It was before we had the low glass. Yeah, you're like, I'll take it. It was red. <laughs> and I painted it. So I paint furniture all the time. Oh if you go gosh. to Michael's or one of the other stores, they, they have paint, paint that you can paint fabric. Oh, yes. What? I know. She just I, blew my mind. I just what? painted chairs. I painted sofas. I I'm going to paint my sofa. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. You should paint these chairs. Yeah, you should paint can. these chairs. You know, should, especially that. I, that would be beautiful. I, I painted... <laughs> Uh, some chairs that are almost this identical fabric, and I did them with a black paint that looks like leather, and it looked like I just bought two real expensive chairs. Oh my gosh, Marion. They're what? amazing. I know. We're like, can you take us to Michael's <laughs> after this and then so, just tell us what they do? They have a lot of different things. They'll read the labels carefully, but you can do it. The first ones I did, they didn't have all the new paints. This right. was about 10 years ago. Yeah. And you had a little spray pump. And I was p- trying to paint this huge sofa. And my hands would give out. So I'd work on it about three hours a night. Right. right. in the garage. And my family's always got, you know, they're stepping over my project. So. <laughs> You're like, sorry. Yes. So, you know, I've always got something interesting going on. And when I Sounds pub- like it. I published my book and I had started on it. Let's talk about your book. It's called On the Level. When did you um, write this? It's been about six years ago. And was, how long did it take you to write it? It took me, well, I started it and kind of fooled around with it for a couple of years. I'd work on a little bit of time. And finally, I had two friends that said, okay, we're going to call you. We're going to make you make a commitment <laughs> because from... Uh, 8.30 to 10.30, five days a week. And we're going to record what you say. So we're going to ask you questions. Okay, how does the developer set up their their particular subdivision? How do they enlist different builders? What, do, what kind of engineering do you have to have? So they would ask questions, and I'd go through that. And one of the things I put in my book, too, and I've reproduced that list, and it's called I Want, I Need, I Wish List. Mm-hmm. And I give that to my clients also when we're going out to look at a new home construction. And it checks off a wood fence. What am I getting? Wood floors. What am I getting? You know, what kind of landscaping am I getting? What, you know, how many return air vents are in the house? Or 
all these things that you need to check off from the builder yeah. to make sure that you're getting. Yeah. So this I want, I need, I wish list. And I tell my clients, I want you to have everything you need, most of what you want, and a few of your I wishes. Mm-hmm. And so that's real important. But the book, this, this couple that helped me do this, they would transcribe this. And because I made the commitment to do it, I was able to do it in six months. So then we published the book. I need to edit it now, and I've started on another book. It's called I Liked It a Lot Better Once the Parachute Opened. <laughs> <laughs> and don't we all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm working on that now. So we'll see how long it takes me to get that finished because I, I no longer can exhaust my friends to spend two hours a day with me <laughs> transcribing what I Sorry, say. Sorry, friends. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I get distracted real easily. I do a little marketing. I wrote a, an article for a magazine, uh, state magazine about, Oh, it was when 2008 when the market really took a dive. Mm-hmm. And I wrote an article that was published in it that was Neiman Marcus Thinks I Died. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I quit spending money, obviously, because we weren't making any money. Yeah. Because the real estate market was on right. the, the skids. So they're um, sending you flyers like Neiman come Marcus back. Think I Come died. back. We <laughs> miss you. Come back. She died. Yeah. <laughs> Send in her death certificate. Can you please forgive all of my credit card debt? Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so, um, you know, I enjoy writing and, and researching, but um, there's so many things to to do every day. Mm-hmm. There's so many things I want to do. Last year, I had a little unfortunate situation. I, um, I had a colonoscopy, which I had put off having, mm-hmm. and they determined that I had cancer. I had colon cancer. And then I had a little problem where they apparently nicked my colon. And so I had to have emergency surgery. I mm. had a you know, abdominal rupture. So then I had a doctor that didn't do the best he could do. And I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks and the nurses were standing out by the door and I heard one of them say, I don't think she's going to make it. Man, oh You heard gosh. them say that? Mm-hmm. It was about two or three in the morning and they thought oh I was gosh. asleep. And so the next morning I told my husband, I said, get me out of here. Take me to Baylor downtown. That's Uh where I want to go. Or UT Southwest. But I think I'll do Baylor because I read up on some of their their cancer specialists there. So three surgeries later, 12 chemos. And uh, last year was kind of an ordeal. But I think one of the things that we all need to keep in mind, last November I'd been going through, I'd had the, the fifth surgery at that point. And I still had some more chemo to do. And I had someone say, boy, 2017 was not a good year for you. And I went, oh, 2017 was a great year for me because I lived. Mm-hmm. I survived. Perspective. It, it, it's it all is about perspective. perspective. Right. And you're so optimistic. It's like you went through all of this and how many people would go through something very similar and they're, they're down. Like they just can't get back up, you know, and you're, here you are fabulous in your high heels and makeup and ready to go show a house. I, I want to, I kind of want to go a little bit backwards too. I want to know what that was like, obviously going into a new industry that you, you know, you had your real estate license, but you'd never really done it before, right? You never no. used it, didn't practice real estate. <laughs> but like, I want to know what that was like to, to have a child, to have a husband that was now dependent on you a hundred percent. And then you go into this industry and you say, I'm here, like I'm here and I'm here to make a name for myself. I'm mm-hmm. not going to stand in the kitchen and eat donuts and drink coffee. I'm going to make myself knowledgeable. Like it, people like you are 
we talk about this all the time. People mm-hmm. like you are the outliers, right? You're the exception. There's not a lot of people that are like you, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of people that will eat the donuts and drink the coffee and just expect... Go to the lunches. Right, and- or just go through the motions or whatever. I really want to know, like, what kind of went through your mind when you were going through that. Like, you know, did you wake up every... Like, what, you know, what was your mindset? Did you wake up every day and say, you know what, I'm just going to own this day and I'm going to own every opportunity that I have? Or, like, what, what was going through your mind then? Well, one of the things that you have to realize is that it's frightening. It scares the dickens out of you. For sure. And you get up in the morning and the alarm would go off and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a night person. I don't like to get up early, but I had to force myself to do that. And then I would sit there and go, all right, when I get to one, I'm going to jump out of bed. Five, four, three, two, one. No exception. Do you realize that's the five second rule Mel Robbins um, right. Have you read that book? Yes. Okay. So I use that. Okay. You know, and uh, you have to you have to make yourself go. And we didn't have cell phones back then. We had it was quite a while before I even had a car phone, and the car phones were very expensive. You had it mounted in mm-hmm. your car. This was 1992, and so um, we didn't have fax machines at home. We had to go to the office to use a fax machine. And we didn't have, you know, we didn't have any way to contact someone to make an appointment other than a payphone. So mm-hmm. we'd have rolls of quarters in the car to go use a payphone to make a change on an appointment. We had these big, thick books that we put out with the MLS because we didn't have computers. So to know what was on the market, by the time they got the book published, half of them were sold. I know. <laughs> we, didn't have, we didn't have centralized showing systems where we call and make appointments. You had to call the realtors. They weren't always there. So showing wow. houses and looking at houses was really kind of a chore. Yeah, and it imagine took a lot that, longer. Imagine that now. So this house literally right across the street from Kim was on the market not too long ago. Yeah. And she has a real estate license. So I was like, hey, I want to go look inside that house. She's like, okay. Literally all she did was like her phone and app and then it was done. We were in the house. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't have done that 20 no years way. ago. No way. 25 yeah. years ago. It was, it was just next to impossible. So yeah. we were always looking for a 7-Eleven or something with a payphone outside mm-hmm. so that you call. And heaven forbid... The client in your car, he'd pull up in front of a house that you'd finally gotten the appointment for and finally had it set. The woman in the house had vacuumed the floors or the housekeeper or whatever. And you pull up in front and your client goes, I don't like that brick. I'm not going in. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, brother. Oh, my God. So like, do you, you know got, what I had to go through to get us here? <laughs> well, and then you have to call. So you have to go look for a payphone to call the realtor. Oh my gosh! And get them to tell them that the poor lady that's sitting there waiting and has cleaned the house that we're not going to go show it that day. Wow! Oh my goodness! So, so I have a question, Marion. It sounds to me like, well, obviously, um, real estate was harder when you first got started from that perspective. But today, you know, you've got the apps and it's so easy to get into a house and show a house and maybe even DocuSign, like even just signing documents is a click of a button and you send it. That part's easier. But I've heard from so many realtors that it's actually so much harder today because of all of the access and because of the internet. And, you know, people can get online and find a house and, you know, if they wanted, they could even buy a house without having representation. They shouldn't. Bad, bad, bad idea. But my question to you is, is it, is it easier today than it used to be? Is it harder today than it used to be? And for somebody joining or just getting into the market today as a new realtor, do you think it's harder or easier? I think it's a little more difficult because 
you you have to move along with the technology. Mm-hmm. And we have the millennials, and the millennials want to look everything up online themselves. Right. They want to research everything themselves. However, they still want a realtor to go with them to make the the final contract. You know, that's the statistics show us that. Which the I tough decisions. Mm-hmm. I think that's real interesting. And uh, the other thing is, you know, that. But like the, the laws and all of that, that's the, what I was like, the regulations the new, and. The new statistics show us that in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there are 31,000 realtors approximately today. Wow. They did, they ran a study from, um, for 12 months, I think it ended in June, that there were 10,000, approximately 10,000 realtors that never sold anything. Mm. There were another 10,000 that sold between one and three houses. And then uh, 3% of the realtors do 95% of the business. Yep. So the competition is out there, but it's not good competition because this is an ease of entry business. People think they can get and do this and it's easy. It's not easy if you do it well. You know your product. You research your areas. You know the schools. Mm -hmm. You know which builders are doing the right thing. I go to the design center with my clients. I walk the houses with them. We're out there. As soon as the slab is poured, we check the, the plumbing to make sure the plumbing's, you know, maybe you've added an extra sink in the garage. If that's not put in at the time, you want to go there. A lot of people don't know also that when the trucks leave before they pour the slab, they've got three hours before that sets up in the trunk. Yeah. In the truck. Yeah. So if you don't have a builder that has a representative out there to make sure that there's not a, more than a three-hour lap, that product starts congealing. It starts hardening. And so when it's poured on your slab, what do they do? You've got a whole crew out there that's wanting to work for the day. They're going to add water to it. Oh. So your slab is not as as strong as it should be. Well, so you've got to make sure that the builder has you know proper representation on the, the ground. Mm-hmm. That the builder is going to service you after the sale. So I have five top builders that I like to use, and anybody else I you know that we have new ones that come along that I'll go look at. But you know the the five that give you the the best product for the best price, and we all want. You know, a, a good product. And I, and I tell people all the time, they'll say, well, I'm not going to pay more than so much per price per square foot. I say, well, you know what the best price per square foot? It's a mobile home with vinyl floors. <laughs> so if Just that's saying. what you want, you know, right. but if you want these these other luxury items and amenities and, and things that make your house more efficient um, for your bills. Right. Because if you have an inefficient air conditioning system or you don't have the return air vents and the vinyl windows, et cetera, et cetera. You could have another whole room on your house, right? Mm-hmm. But you're, you're just flushing money down the commode. Right. So question the statistics on like however many realtors you said there are right now, 31,000, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. So by default, right, that means almost everyone knows somebody. Exactly. Who's got a license. What do you say to, um, to buyers who, if you're out there, maybe you meet somebody at a networking event or who knows where, right? And you're like, I'm a realtor. If you ever need any help, you want to buy or sell, give me a call. And they're like, oh, but my cousin has a license or whatever what do you say to people who say well i know somebody but i mean but do they i mean they know somebody who has a license in their old purse in the closet but are they a realtor with experience what do you say to that well i tell them to check the experience level ask some questions you know what are the best energy saving uh things that that a builder puts in a house Mm -hmm. like i'm not real crazy about tankless hot water eaters I think they're fine. They're expensive if you get the best ones. Yeah. But a lot of our, our lower-end builders use cheap ones in the house, and the client doesn't know that if they turn the 
hot water or heater on in the kitchen sink and then they try to take a shower at the same time, they're not going to get hot water in two places. Yeah. Well, but that's speaking to the actual home. I'm like, you're talking yeah, to a person. I tell, and... I tell the, the person, okay. how do you know what you're getting if you don't have a realtor that who knows, knows that, what they're... The, who knows the product from the builders? Because you don't. Right. You don't do this all the time. Mm-hmm. How, you know, would you, you wouldn't go to a, you know, it goes back to that same thing too. I tell them, our doctors, 50% of them graduated in the lower half of their graduating class. Mm-hmm. I don't want one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want that guy that came in number 67. Right. C average. Yeah. You're I, C I, average I, don't want, I don't want that guy operating on me. Right. Yeah. I've, I've had one of those before. Right. It didn't turn out real well. Yeah. So in the same thing with real estate, you want somebody that knows the product, knows what they're doing, and mm-hmm. is going to look after you. There are a lot of realtors that are cousins of somebody's friend or something. They're going to be there when you sign the contract, and they're going to be there to get their check at the end. They're not helping you through the process. They're right. not making sure that you get the product you think you're getting. Right. And that's what a good realtor does. Agreed. We make sure. Did you ever doubt yourself? Were there ever times when you first got into this business and, you know, how, first of all, how long did it take you to sell your first house? Oh, about a month. Okay. Well, that's not actually, that's really good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think most people have that success story. But was there ever a time and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, oh, absolutely. And I would work 12-hour days, mm-hmm. and I would get out of the car so exhausted, I literally would tell myself, okay, move your left foot, move mm-hmm. your right foot, move your left foot, because I would drag myself into the into the house. And I had friends that would, used to call me once I got a cell phone at night, and they'd say, oh, did you sell a house today? And if I said, yes, I did, they'd go, ah, oh, younger, you know, money just falls out of trees for you. And I went, really? What are you doing right now? They were at home watching TV with their feet up, and I was out working mm-hmm. eight, nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, the reason money would fall out of the trees for me is because I'm kicking the devil out of the tree every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So that, that's the thing. You have to work hard. You have to work smart. You have to like people. Mm-hmm. And you have to be concerned about them. And I've told people... You know, I had a client the other day that I sold a house to 22 years ago. They called me. They've lived in that same 1,548-square-foot house for 15 years. Wow. They've decided to move. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, we had looked at Brandex Builder. We, they really have. I said, you're not buying that. They said, huh? I said, I'm not letting you buy that. I'll hold on to your ankles and drag you out of the door. You know, they don't build a good home. They don't service you after the sale. When they first moved into the Dallas area, three months after they moved in here, their ceiling fell in in their dining room in the model mm-hmm. because they do a lousy job. Wow. And they, they haven't improved with time. So, you know, I'm not letting you do that. And they went, oh, okay. So, <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, fine. You know. But their model was like really pretty. So, yeah. Yeah. But some, you know, some people might not want me for a realtor because I'm going to tell you, no, I'm not right. going to sell you that house. That's nice. So I'm I not going to do it. I wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't sell it to my kids. I wouldn't sell it to my friends. I wouldn't buy it for myself. Why would I let you buy it? Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it, you've got to be involved in this. And mm-hmm. yes, do I have days where I, I don't want to get up or you have somebody that you just want to slap the snot out of? Yes. You know? <laughs> so PC. Yeah. I'm going to slap the snot out of you. <laughs> so uh, I have a question too. So I know that you won't badmouth any builders but you said you've mentioned a couple times that you have a top five yes would you mind like shouting them out oh, like, I'd be okay, glad to. great uh, highland and huntington are owned by the same company it's gina and brock and her brother 
Ryan Sanders. Which okay. fascinating story. I love the story. Fascinating of story. You've actually told me that story yes. before. Yes. They yeah. started yes. their company in 1985, and Rod was um, a, a, a lawyer, lawyer right? Yeah. in New York. And Jean Ann was a salesperson for General Homes, which is no longer in business. And they didn't have the yeah, they didn't have the best customer service and all. But she had some a good builder. She had a good land development person there that she worked with, and she worked night and day, worked really hard. And she called her brother and said, "You know, can you put a little money together and let's we're going to start a building business." So he scraped up forty thousand dollars. And she was in her twenties. Yeah, yeah, she was very young at the time. So he came back to Texas. They were both from this area, came back to Texas, and they were able to borrow another $100,000. So they built two or three little homes, and they absolutely insist on having good customer service. Jean Ann had had the flu one night, and she had this young couple there, and she told Rod, Rod does, I've I've never met Rod. I've known He's behind the scenes. He's behind the scenes. He handles the finance. He doesn't like dealing with the realtors, me, anybody else. People. Yeah, I don't like dealing with people so much. In general. I don't people. Jean Ann does, and she's, you know, she's a marketing genius. And she also uh, started putting realtors together. And prior to that time, realtors didn't speak to each other. You know, you were competition. We didn't speak to the window. So she made us associate and get together and had events together. And it really worked because if I'm pulling into a neighborhood and there are three signs there and I've got to choose which one, I'm going to, to try to work with the person I know that has good ethics and is going to represent that house properly and mm-hmm. tell you really what's wrong with it and what's right with it. They're going to give you the inside skinny. Yeah. So she made a difference in that. But... Then she, uh, Rod came out one night to take over for her and this young couple, and they were expecting a baby, and Rod called Jean Ann, and he said, we've got to do a good job for them. You know, they, they can't afford for us to mess up. Jean Ann said, that's most of our clients. You know, they were dealing with first-time home buyers primarily, and they were building a smaller home then. And it's been their goal always to service the customer and service them after the sale. I literally have had... People that I had one client that that called me to, to list their house, and they'd had a Huntington that was five years old. And Huntington and Highland are the same same company. And I walked on the west side of their house, which was the narrow part of the yard with the air conditioner compressors, and only the yard man went over there. Yeah. And I looked up, and the, the brick was the wrong brick. Mm. It was a different brick than on the other sides of the house. It was the same red, but the other brick was the used brick where it had a you know a brown mm-hmm. brick here and a black brick and some used brick look. So I, I called the warranty department of, of Highland Huntington. I said, you guys ought to be ashamed of yourself. This house, and gave them the address, the west side of that house, the brick doesn't match. Nobody ever noticed it. You know, the yeah. owners didn't go on that side of the house. The yard man was over there, and they didn't notice it when they bought the house. And I said, so I want to talk to you about this. I'm just really, I'm amazed. So a couple of days later, I hadn't heard back from it and talk, and I thought, I am going, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I'm driving down. It was in my neighborhood, and I go by there, and all the bricks in the front yard. Five years later, they changed all the bricks. They didn't wow. say a word to me or anything. They just went out there and did it. Well, they didn't have to. No, but this company is the best for customer service. Well, she she told a story. It was at that event that I saw you last, and she was on stage. I think she was the keynote. Uh, What's her name? Jean Ann. Jean Ann Brock. Jean Ann Brock, and she was telling a story 
um, back when they first started, there was a Windows issue. I guess there was a manufacturing, right. like a, a defect, or and they went out of business because they had defective windows. Right. The, not that not Highland, but the window company or manufacturer went, went out, of, out business. of business, and so they took it upon themselves to replace all of those windows that were impacted by that, or whoever the, that manufacturer had put those windows and in Rod- and they didn't have the money to do it. She's like, this was back when, before we were successful and we were building our business and she's like, this could break us or but at the end of the day, they're like, this is the right thing to do. And she said that that was the one thing that made them was standing behind the product, even though the manufacturer would, would not stand behind theirs. Well, and there were, there were moments there when Rod told her this could bankrupt us. Yeah. You know, this, we, we don't know that this is going to turn out well. But it did, but they have always done the right thing. So of the best builders, I think Highland and Huntington are my top. And then right behind that is American Legend. They do a fine job. It's Chris Bright's company. And, um, you know, he's a very successful businessman, entrepreneur here. His staff is one of the original owners of the Dallas Cowboys. And all of Castle Hills was their old ranch. Oh. And so that was developed okay. by him. Yeah. And he does a real good product, and, and he has a lot of... Of people that originally started with Jean Ann or have gone over with American Legends, so they have a very similar product, okay. mm-hmm. and they have the the same same ethics, right. I think. Yeah. And then there's a company called Mi Homes, and it's a smaller company. Yeah, I've and never heard of them. They're newer. They don't. The, one of the disadvantages that you have to builders that are on startup is that they have. They don't have good lot positions. Right. You know, they have to. They're not the Drees or the Khov or no, companies so, like that. Yeah, they don't have the 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 reputation are the contacts mm. to get the lot positions. So they have to kind of struggle to get that. So they have smaller lot positions, but they're very good. There's a, a small builder that builds in the colony and some other areas have been in business a long time called Reflections. Mm-hmm. They're one of the first homes that I walked and I called the builder and I said, I couldn't find anything wrong. I walked your attic. I walked your house. And I they're like, thank you. <laughs> said, I could not find anything wrong with your house. Yeah. And that never happens. Well, you know, one of the, I won't say which one, one of the builders you mentioned a minute ago. You know, I walked to one of their homes, and I made a note of 52 things I saw wrong in the model. Yeah. So, you know, that's not always the case. It's kind of like a sweatshop. I mean, it's. I, I feel like it's, it kind of goes that way with any industry. Once you get larger, you stop caring about the small things, right? Right. And those homes, I mean, they are. My, so my mom um, used to and now does, but she used to own a commercial cleaning business. So she would she would get the contracts for the models and market homes. Right. So we would go clean them. And that was her, that was her business. And it was always like after hours, but you would see like the imperfections, right? And even for somebody who has, I have zero knowledge about homes, but you would see, and I'm like, wow, this, like they're about to sell this house and there, I can blatantly see issues like things that are wrong with it, but they're charging $900,000 for this house. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Well, what happens to people is they contract for a house. It takes, you know, six to 12 months to build it. They sell where they're living or they're leasing a place and Mm -hmm. they get down to the week before they're closing and they're packing everything up and their stuff's in storage or they have a pod or whatever. Right. And they've got arrangements with the movers and they've got to move out of the place they're in and the house, they go walk it and there are all these little imperfections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so generally the builder will say, well, I'll take care of that after the sale. Right. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. And that's and it's so funny that you said that about the model homes because I mean, we she still does. She's 
she she did it for a while, uh, and then they moved out of state, and then now she's back, and she knows the contact who kind of owns all of the contracts for that. Right. Um, so she'll do them for, you know, I won't say who specifically, but, you know, you go into the model, and, you know, million, 1.5 homes right. that are flawless, right? But then you go in the markets. Those are the ones that are about to be they're sold. spec homes. Yeah, and they're completely different. Yeah. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> yes. There's a difference. Yeah. And so I will tell you that with the Huntington and Highland and American Legend and MI Homes and Reflections and Ashton Woods, they're also a good builder. Okay, I've seen them too. Yeah. And uh, that those guys, what they build in the homes is what you get. Now, everybody has dozens of contractors that touch the house. Mm -hmm. So when you have that many hands that are touching the product, Mm -hmm. you're going to have some things that go wrong. For sure. The, The difference is, do they fix it? Do they care right. about what these are? Are they reputable? Right. Yeah. And what I do with my clients, even with the the good builders, I tell them, you know, you have a twelve month warranty on your house, that wall to wall, you have ten years on your foundation, and sometimes you'll have a two or three year additional warranty on HVAC or manufacturer's warranties on your appliances. But you have a twelve month warranty with all nearly all builders in Dallas, from you know top to bottom. So I tell my clients in 10 months, I'll come over and we'll walk the house and see if there are any issues that maybe were overlooked, things you've lived with, and all of a sudden you've gone, oh, they forgot to paint underneath this cabinet in here, and I didn't notice it for two months. Mm -hmm. So all these little things that need attention we'll make note of and get it taken care of before your 12-month warranty is over. So that's another thing you can do just to... if it's not a good builder, they're not going to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, right. And we also have builders, and I know that Huntington Highland also, if I just had a, I uh, just closed on a house that was right at a million three, and the the movers knocked a hole in the drywall, <laughs> scratched up the stairs, did all these things. The builder's over there this weekend, and they're fixing that's it. That's awesome. That's you know, phenomenal. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. They're taking care of it. They said, we know that the builder, the move-in uh, movers are going to knock the walls up a little bit. We'll take care of it for you. That's, so let's that's say, a different service. Let's then. say you, okay, so especially for people that are my age, right? So we're, I'm 31, so I'm kind you of. You look young, too. Thanks. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I'm kind of at the age where, like, a lot of my friends are buying homes. or right. So how do you, like, you know, obviously all of my friends can't go to you, but, I mean, they could, but how do oh, you I know? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell all of my friends. But, like, how do you know, like, how that you have a reputable realtor? And then how do you, like, how do you find out all these facts? Because, like, for me, it's very easy to be distracted. If I had the money to pay for a $1.5 million home, I mean, I've been in multiple Dries mm-hmm. models or Kahoff models where I'm like, I mean, if I had the money, I would totally buy this house. Like, how do you know, number one, what you're getting into? How do you know that your realtor is reputable? Like, how do we know all this yeah, stuff? That's a good how question. do we know not to be distracted by pretty builders like that that may not do well, the Well, right one, job? you can buy Marianne's book on the level, and it does speak to some of that <laughs> stuff. Marianne Unger. It's true. <laughs> yeah. it d- you do. You're, you speak to a lot of that, but yeah. not necessarily how to find a reputable realtor. You have to check with the person you're talking to, have a conversation, find out how much experience they have, ask for references. Okay. I have clients that, you know, I've told you, I tell my clients, you better be afraid to go without me. They are. Mm -hmm. I've done seven and eight transactions with the same people through the years. They they are afraid to go without me because they know I'm going to be crawling around. You know, I was crawling around on the floor looking at uh, something I found wrong with the wall. It wasn't quite straight and... 
I was in this house. I'd been walking it. I love and, this. <laughs> and so the builder and the, the uh, head of that area walked in. They didn't know I was in there. And so they walked in, and the builder tells the, his management, he said, I figured out a way that we can save $40 a house. And this is a big builder. Does lots of houses. Forty dollars a house. Forty dollars a house. And the guy said, Really? He said, Yeah. He said, We can put three can lights in the kitchen instead of four. And then we build a thousand houses. So that's that's a nice little extra profit we yeah, get. Yeah, significant savings. So I jumped up and I ran in there and I went, Oh, we're gonna let our customers cook in the dark. And they almost had a heart attack when they saw that, that you were was in there. me and I heard them and they knew I was going to tell everybody. So, you know. Needless um, to say, there's probably four lights and not three. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. <laughs> She's so, like, and I check every time. Every so funny. Time. Yeah. You know, I had one, one builder that doubled his fist up and, and threatened to hit me because, because I kept telling him this wall is not right. Yeah. You know, you need to, yeah, you need to fix it. Okay. So four times later, I'm over there, and the wall wasn't fixed. And it was a circle wall, and it had a little place that stuck out in the middle. And he said, I've fixed that that wall 37 times, and I'm not fixing it again. And I said, I don't care if you fixed it 137 times. It's not fixed. And um, he started clenching his fist. And by that time, I was getting mad, too. And all the workers (laughs) in the house were quiet. (laughs) <laughs> they were smacked down. Yeah, they were waiting to see what was going to happen. There was going to be a fight in the in the entryway. And I said, "I tell you what, I don't think you know how to fix it. So you just step back, Bubba, and I'm going to tear that drywall out and move that stud back an inch, which is sticking out, and that's why the drywall won't lay flat. And I'll fix it myself." Oh. And he doubled up his fist and acted like he was going to hit me. You're like, really, 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 yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> so and I've been asked to leave construction sites, you know, when I go in with my level and my tape measure and the in <laughs> the old days and the builders say, We'd like for you to leave, please. You know? And Oh why? Because oh, your yeah. product is faulty? Oh, right. okay. No right. And I had one realtor recently that said, Now I know that you said that plum and level are the two most important words in residential construction. And I'm gonna go out and get a level and a tape measure. I'm gonna do just what you said. But what do I do with the level? I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> You're like, really? Oh, really? <laughs> really. So, you know, there's some people that are meant to be doing this and some that aren't. Right. So, so on that note, because I have a question about that, or what advice do you have for people who are sitting back and they're like, you know what? I think I want to get my real estate license. What advice do you have? Because it isn't for everybody. It's not for it's everybody. Not it's not for everybody. It's really hard work. In fact, I've tried three times to get into this business. I tried back in 2004, um, which I actually did have some success back then. And then I tried, I think it was 2010 and then 2017. And each time, because I'm so like instant gratification, and I think it doesn't help that I already have a career that's established and I'm making money in. So for me, it's hard to segue out. But I've tried and it, and I'm a people person and I'm an intelligent person, but I've never been able to really get it off the ground. So what advice? It's hard work. Yeah. And you have to like it and you have to like people, which you do, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. You'd be good. You'd be good at it. But it's slow to build that right. when you start. I had great motivation because mm-hmm. I had a family that was going to starve to death if I didn't do it. 
And so I sold the least expensive home that was sold in uh, probably all of Ebby Holiday when I started was a $16,000 condo. I sold a $39,000 townhouse. I sold stuff that other people didn't want to mess with. Now, what would you tell women to, or so people, have people to, to, hey, before you do this, let me just tell you what it's really like. What would you say? It's 12-hour days. Mm-hmm. You have to work weekends. It's not, a good, it's not a good profession for women with small children. You know, my, my daughter did, she was seven. At that point, I had, you know, I had family that would come in and out. And uh, my mother's dementia wasn't too bad at that point, so she was able to help with her son. And, uh, you know, but I, I wasn't around a lot. So, right. you know, it was a matter of it wasn't my first choice, but I mm-hmm. had to do it. I would do open houses on Saturday and Sunday. I had a young um, lender that still works with me, Scott Satin. And Scott and my husband would move my signs. I'd do one open house from 1 to 3 on Saturday. They would move my signs. I'd do the next one from 3 to 5. And then I would do another one on Sunday from 1 to 3 and another one from 3 to 5. And one open house I did... Uh, where I had real good activity. It was in Valley Ranch. And I had like 15 or 20 people came. I sold nine houses off of that open house. Wow. But I, you know, two of them I sold a year later. But I stayed in touch with the people. I contacted them. I worked hard. Follow Mm -hmm. up. Did Mm -hmm. everything. So if you are willing to work yourself half to death, you can do it. Work yeah. yourself stupid. <laughs> you have to work yourself stupid. You yeah. really do. And to be successful in this business and to get started, you have to make a total commitment to it because yeah. it's it's hard work. And, and I want to speak to the fact that you've been in this almost 30 years. You're well-established, highly ranked, very successful, and you still do open houses on the weekends. Yes, still. I still do open houses. Mm-hmm. I still you know, follow up with my people. I, you know, I'm out there and, you know, I give talks, I I give lectures and, and, uh, my team is going, quit quit giving the lectures to the other realtors, educating (laughs) your competition. You're our personal little gold mine. Stop sharing the wealth. (laughs) Yeah. But if she's doing that, then you're, you know, you're, Giving an increased level of knowledge to the industry. And that was my goal. Exactly. So it's like by you, I mean, who wants to hold on to all the secrets? It's kind of like in the industry we're in, we're in staffing, right? Recruiting, professional recruiting, staffing, et cetera. Um, And I actually have a lot of like alliance, like partnerships or like friendships with other people who are in the same industry, Mm -hmm. because if I can assist them to be better, if they can assist me to be better, then the whole industry is better. That's right. It's the same thing with realtors. Like if, if you're improving or educating other realtors, then real estate or, you know, the realtor industry is only going to get better. So Mm -hmm. why would you not want to better other people? Well, this morning I had a call from a lady in Chicago and her, um, one of her people that's with, my company in that area had been here and heard me do a presentation and they had sent me three clients because they felt like I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So the more you're out there too, and you're, you know, you let people know that these are things you've got to do. These are things you've got to know. And you make yourself visible doing that. Yeah. That also helps. Exactly. But I think if you're doing the the right job, those you know, my clients refer me to other people, and that's what our business is based on. Yeah. And uh, everybody knows, that the stats say that they, nearly everybody knows close to 10 people mm-hmm. that are in real estate. But out of those 10 people, it's very doubtful that 
one of them is really knowledgeable, knowledgeable and, and yeah. does their job well. Yeah. So, like I said, it's an ease of entry business, and people think it's easy to get into, and they can. They really want to go drink coffee and eat donuts. Yeah, right. you know, and <laughs> have somebody true. to be with. Yeah. yeah, and lunch with their other realtor friends in the office, and yeah, and have a have a, a little keypad that they can go get into houses so that they can go with their friends. And that's a hobby. Yeah, it's that a is hobby. not a job. That is a hobby. Drink and coffee. a very expensive hobby. Right, it's very expensive to be in real estate. So you've got to be committed if you're going to do this. It's not you know, it's not just all fun. We right. have mm-hmm. some fun, but. It's hard work. It's yeah. an investment career for sure. You have yeah. to invest one in yourself and your time. You have to actually purchase things. You need signs and cards and you know things that promote you, mar- marketing, etc. So it's an investment career. Well, I tell everyone, you know, I was forty nine when I started in this business, and I worked hard and I made it work. And if I can do it, you can too. But that's not necessarily so. No, I agree with that. That's not necessarily so because. Everybody may not be willing to work as hard as I am. That's what mm-hmm. I was going to say. Not everybody has the same driver, the internal driver that you mm-hmm. have. Right. Yeah. Because I'm not lazy. Right. And I, you know, I like to succeed. I can't stand to fail. Right. When someone beats me, I just can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all kind of know. A little I bit know, right? Yeah. I love it. I like being the best. And you seem like you still love it. Like I you still love it. You're still passionate about it, which I love. I think is really inspiring. I get excited with the new products, you know, and tell everybody, okay, the, the Silstone, which is the quartz product that's 90% quartz and 10%, uh, you know, it's 10% man-made. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's stain proof Yeah, and it's quartz. Everybody says, oh, this is quartz, but it's really a little more than quartz. There's several brands that have that, but that's one of the greatest things on the market. It's the new granite. Mm-hmm. So I tell my clients, don't put granite in now because this won't stain. Granite mm-hmm. does. You know, and granite was the, the new Corian, and Corian was the new Formica. You know, we have these new products. Right. So, so quartz is great. And I tell people, and don't get a tankless hot water heater unless you know that you're getting the best. And, you know, then also I was in one house and it had a tankless hot water heater in the in the attic. And I asked the builder, I said, I, I thought you were supposed to really have really good insulation around this when you put it in, in the inside of a house, the interior of the house. And because it's a fire hazard. And he went, really? I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, so know your product. Know your builders. Know your realtor. Do your. This is a big investment when you buy a house. The biggest investment for most people. And and people just get, they get blown away by the pretty ceilings and the pretty Mm -hmm. countertops. And, and, uh, and then also, you know, every seven years we go through the new look. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like we had the old world look. Old world is out now. Nobody wants brown and beige. Everybody yep. wants gray. Yep. So we want gray and we want the gray quartz countertops, and, you know, yeah. the white countertops and the white cabinets, and that's what's going to sell. And I tell people when I go to look at a house to list, you know, they've got the old oak cabinets or the old mm-hmm. yellow cabinets, and they've got the hinges on the outside. we got to take those hinges off. We've got to paint those cabinets white. Yeah. And, you know, the house will sell. I actually want to speak to that real quick. And we're, we're at an hour, so we can wrap it up. But um, Marion and her team, and I would like to plug my mother, Vicki McClurg, one of the best realtors. She She's works wonderful. She works, she works with, with Marion um, and Nancy uh, Piper. Piper. Michael um, Nog. Yeah. But Jim Newton. Is that? Is, Matthew Thomas. That's all of them. Okay. And one thing I love that you guys do is when you go in to stage a home before you sell it, I mean... 
you guys go in and do a complete overhaul. They have a truck where they bring furniture. I mean, they stage this property where it looks like a model home. And like you just said, you'll have them, you know, upgrade, like maybe the cabinets, hide the hinges, things like that. And I know there's even been some times when you guys have personally invested in some of that stuff. Well, we um, have, we have three storage units and, uh, there was a piece of art that I wanted really badly for my birthday. And, and so Nancy and the group bought me this, this painting of a horse and um, I've collected art my whole life, and so I have quite a bit of art, too. But I, I wanted this painting. I thought it was great. And, and I said, but I'm not using it for staging. Y'all cannot take this to the house to use for staging. Well, mm-hmm. Nancy that day had to have it for house <laughs> staging. So my birthday was in June, and I've yet to touch that painting because it's gone from one house to the next to be staged. Because everybody <laughs> says, oh, we want that horse painting over the, the mantle. Yeah. Know, so. There is so, a difference in the homes that your team lists for sale versus somebody else out there. I mean, it looks like a model home. They totally transform it. We have floral before the arrangements. Sign. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have floral arrangements. We make sure it gets mm-hmm. painted. Uh, looks amazing. I, I've literally gone out and pulled weeds, you know, myself in the front when before an open house. Then and my mom does that. She'll go out oh, and plant yeah, flowers. Got, and yeah, we plant flowers. We do that. She'll paint. Sure. She's painted people's homes. I quit doing that, but I have done that before too. But we do some renovations and, you know, uh, one of the things we do when we go to talk to someone about a listing, we say, okay, this home is older, cabinets need painting, the... Um, you know, the carpet needs to be replaced. You got to get rid of that hot pink bathroom, you know, the proper bedroom <laughs> for the child. That's got to go. But if you want to sell it as is, this is the price you're going to get. Yeah. If you want to sell it at top dollar, these are the things you have to do. And quite often, you know, $500 in some instances will make a difference in getting two or 3000 more back. $5,000 can make a difference in you getting 20000 back. So right. are you willing to do some work to bring this house up? The to return on standards? investment is worth it. For sure. It. Right. So you have to, you have to show them that you have to say this house sold for this amount, but it wasn't, it wasn't renovated. Yeah. It wasn't updated. This house sold for this amount. Yours is not going to do that because you have the old oak cabinets and yeah. you have the purple walls and you have <laughs> dirty carpet, you know, and you, you know, you have the cracked concrete on the front porch. You know, you got to fix that stuff. It's got to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go in and and have a new home. Right. Unless they're a flipper, and then they're going to pay you way below market Yeah, that's right. So um, before we let anybody sign off officially, we always ask, and you know, we didn't do this last week. We forgot to ask them. Yeah. If you can go back, although... They're, they were like, Taylor, you're 25. Can you go back and talk to your 20-year-old self? 17, but, I don't know. Yeah, what I like to ask is, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give to yourself? Well, I do have regrets, regrets that I didn't finish college. Mm. But part of the reason, I did go back a couple of times and take additional classes. In fact, that's another story. Someday one of my um, English professors is now in, in prison. And I send him money and books all the time. He has a PhD, and he's in prison. Has been there for twenty five years. Wow! So that's another story. But I did go back to school, but I never could find what I wanted to do other than sales. Mm-hmm. I love to sell things. I love to create things, or make things, or do things. So mm-hmm. I didn't just want to take something off the shelf. I wanted to do something to it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so that's why I created these clothes after I started the the boutique. So. Um, I think in my dreams, sometimes I think, I wish I'd gone to Los Angeles and I'd have sold Oprah Winfrey her house for, you know, <laughs> for 
$150 million. Right. Or I'd, you know, I've gone to New York. I really wanted to, to be an actress, and but I couldn't sing. So everybody said, oh, you can't make it an acting. You can dance and you can act, but you can't sing. So, oh, okay. I'll just do sales. <laughs> but uh, if I'd have started selling houses and... L.A. back in my 20s, I mean, that would be a multimillionaire yeah. You would have a show on Bravo. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. But then I wouldn't, you know, we the, the things that we did when we were younger, y'all are still young, but the things we did when we were younger are who we are today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who knows? Maybe I would have never discovered real estate had I gone out there in my 20s. I right. don't know. Right. Yeah. I might have been a grade B actress. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Well, I think you're fabulous, and thank I you, thank you so much for being here. Um, I think this is incredibly informative, um, both to those who want to get in the industry and those who are looking to buy or sell a home. So I think it was great. Um, do you want to plug all of our social media since you do such a great job with of that? Of course. Please check us out on our website, www.biggirlpantspod.com. Um, if you have any questions, send an email to biggirlpantspod at gmail. Um, also check us out on Twitter. Big Girl Pants PO1 and Instagram Big Girl Pants Pod. Yay. And then I almost forgot. Please plug yourself. How do people find you? How do they find your team and the people on your team? We have uh, the DeYoungerTeam.com. We're also the real estate rock Spell stars. that just in case. Okay. It's D U N G E R. Okay. Team.com. My, my name is with an apostrophe, D apostrophe U N G E R, but when it's in an email, mm-hmm. you have to get rid of that apostrophe. Um, my personal cell phone number is 972 742 7790. We have um, a voicemail that's 972 304 3344, and various members of the team will answer that. Mm-hmm. And, and give you any information you want. So we'd awesome. love to hear from you. Thank we'd you so you. much. We are so happy you're here. Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, I guess that's everything. Okay, thank Peace you out, so everybody. much. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.